Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Hello. <gasps> wow, look who it is. Oh, it's me. you. Oh, okay. yeah, it's you. I was like, it's you? <laughs> oh my gosh, so exciting. Hi, this is Maura. This is Chloe. We are, and, uh, or as my mom likes to remind me, I should say, Chloe. Excuse me. Sorry. And uh, this is yeah. Historically Badass Broads, a podcast in which we, we talk about a historically badass broad. We talk about <laughs> a lady that we feel we all should have learned about in history. And if we did, we should have learned more. Yeah, I like that. Thanks. Um, it's just so rad. Like we just need to talk about them, you know. They just need to be spoken about. Let's someone, bring them to the collective conscious. Exactly. Someone needs to be. They should be back in in our worldview. The nice thing about the series that we embarked upon last month mm. mm-hmm. is that thanks to perhaps one of my favorite musicals to come out in the last like ten years, six mm. musical. Um, mm-hmm. These ladies have rejoined the collective consciousness for the first time in about 500 years, and it makes me very happy. That is pretty cool. It's so. And if you don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about the six wives of Henry VIII. And right. last month we spoke of Catherine of Aragon. With a K. With a K. Catherine with a K. And this and month. We're talking about the the main B, the, the one we all either love or hate or feel a mixture of complicated emotions about Anne Boleyn okay I'm not <laughs> kidding Boleyn. you know one of the books I was reading um because I love reading about her just as I love sure. reading about Catherine um mm-hmm. kind of all of them but there's a lot more info on the first two wives as we'll discuss <laughs> okay. um, one intro to Anne's life literally was like you either love her or you hate her like that was literally a scholarly <laughs> in a very well-regarded book it began with she's very decisive it was hilarious you'll have to check back in with me then at the end Hmm. see which camp i fall into you're right i think because for people who don't know too much about her maybe they don't love or hate her maybe they just kind of go hmm i've heard of sure so let's 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 begin then let's help create a foundation upon which you can form your opinion. Let's dive right in. Anne Boleyn was born... Okay. Some people <laughs> think she was born in 1507. There's already controversy. There's so the much controversy many, begins. So much Minute controversy one. over her date of birth. Can't wait. I'm going to go out on not a very aggressive limb, but I'm still going to... I'm going to join the collective consensus that Anne Boleyn was born in 1501. Okay. Um, her father's Thomas Boleyn, her mom's Elizabeth Boleyn, who is a daughter of the Earl of Surrey. Her maiden name's Howard. Remember that name that comes in later. Um, Mm -hmm. not this episode, but a later one. Um, the Howards are are a very, (laughs) 
powerful family. <laughs> I know that one. Okay, cool. Got it. Just checking out. Just checking out. So, so her mom is a daughter of the Earl of Surrey, who's a Howard. Her father is descended from, um, he's more of a merchant made good kind of thing. So he, his family mm-hmm. was originally like very wealthy merchants, but then they became like, they had just some of the best marriages like take place. And so they became very elevated. Um, and by the end of his life, Thomas Boleyn was the Earl of Wiltshire and Ormond. So he, he did very well for himself. He became very, um, popular with Henry the seventh. And so they were sent on, um, he was sent on like diplomatic missions for him. So Anne and, um, she has two siblings. She has a sister, Mary and a brother, George. Um, they're raised at, um, Hever castle in Kent. You can visit it. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. Mm. Um, I've not been, but I really want to go. And not either. It's yeah. Well, it's in Kent. So if you're like in London, you'd have to like really try to go anyway. Um, <laughs> it's fine. So you have to make a big effort. You have to really make an effort. I think it's a, it's probably not that far away. Maybe we have a listener from Kent. If so. If so. Hello. And you've been. <laughs> What's let us up? know. I have so many questions. What's tell the weather like? There's okay. a moat. Tell me all about it. I'm very wow. excited. Is Henry VIII's bedroom as cool as it looks? Let me know. What if they've, what if they're from Kent, but they've never been inside Henry VIII's bedroom? I then require that they go mm. and see it and then report back Great. and then Great. we can you know we can we can know some more yeah can't wait to hear from this person yeah yeah, yeah. this hypothetical person in, in Kent it sounds great um, mm-hmm. so so yeah so she's born into this family and they're fairly cosmopolitan in that way that her father's been very you know he's traveling internationally, all the above, mm-hmm. and um, is raised in a kind of fairly normal, but very well-educated manner. She was actually sent to, um, in 1513, when she's around 12, she was sent to the um, court of Margaret of Austria. And she Margaret of Austria is a lady that is on our list to do. She's wild. Um, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Y'all look up Anne of Austria, Margaret of Austria, or no, don't, don't look her up. Oh my gosh! What they, uh, no, we are about open and free information. It's the age of yeah, you're right. You're right. I won't gatekeep. No gatekeeping, but no we'll still probably do it one day. Um, so, okay. <laughs> so Anne was sent at a fairly young age to Margaret's court, and um, that that's actually a fairly like incredible distinction. Um, it, it's not normal that someone that young would be sent um, to a foreign court. Normally they'd be at least like 13, 14. She's 12. Um, and mm-hmm. so Margaret of Austria is extremely fond of Anne and becomes this like very coquettish, very well-educated woman. And then a couple of years later, she is um, taken to uh, France, which is very interesting Um because Margaret of Austria, of course, is Austrian. She's at the Habsburg court. Mm-hmm. They hate the French. So she's really bitter that her favorite protege is like taken away from her to go enter and serve in the French court. But uh, Anne. Well, how does that happen? Well, because Anne is, it was basically sent to a school um, and could leave. But who decided that? Well, it was a very good position. So Anne was made of honor for Margaret of Austria. She becomes a maid of honor for the queen of France. So, you know, 
It's a pretty solid position. Wait, how does that happen though? Her her parents, her her father, they're so well connected. They okay. the Boleyns are, are so are they send her off, power. but they still they send yeah. her off, but they still have power over her. Oh my god, yeah, she's like twelve. I don't know. She, they they, you, they could have her. sent her to yep. the Austrian lady. Could have had power over her once she's there. She did, but more as an educator. Think of her as a lovely principal of a school, kind of, except it was court. Okay. But it, it's, right. inter- it's interchangeable for experiential purposes. Um, mm-hmm. So then Anne's at Queen with Queen Claude, um, and she's there for like seven years. And so she was actually part of the retinue for um, Henry VIII's sister, Mary. As we discuss the Tudors, there will be 500 Marys, about 500 Elizabeths, about 400 Anne's. And about twelve hundred Catherines. So just get ready. Um, Yeesh. So Mary Tudor is Henry VIII's sister, not Mary Tudor, his daughter, <laughs> who becomes the Queen of England. Or she's not born, mm-hmm. or maybe she is. I forget. Um, no, she's born. I guess Anne is part of the retinue to help um, Mary Tudor mary the king of france mary tudor is very very beautiful and um her very elderly husband exerts himself so much in the bedroom it's said that he dies very quickly she is a young widow and she's sent back to england oh my gosh she's oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> how horrible for her um it's just... quite the descriptive well and so then what ends up happening so this is interesting so mary then is with um and if anyone um, remembers watching uh, The Tudors, which is a semi-reliable, not really, um, show, you know, mm-hmm. they would remember that Mary Tudor ends up falling in love with Henry's, like, best friend. And so she, like, effectively, um, like, marries him against Henry's wishes because technically... Um, so this is kind of confusing. So technically, Mary Tudor, again, Henry VIII's sister. Mary Tudor um, was to marry this horribly old man. And then if he died early, which he probably would, she had a promise from Henry ostensibly that she would be able to marry whomever she wished. The problem is if mm-hmm. you're still the king's sister, you must seek approval. And he gave her a guarantee that he would approve. You just had to do that. And so basically she didn't do that. She married his best friend and they were exiled from court. It was a whole scandal. So mm-hmm. Anne's in there Anne's among that scandal. It's, it was a huge one at the time. And so she's, it, it's, I think it's so fascinating. You know, we, we love to talk about people and we like, when we're discussing people in history, we talk about like the things that the events that happened in their lives. But I think sometimes if you really stop and think about the effect it would have had on them, which I hope we try and do on this podcast, um, Mm -hmm. you can see how it leads to decisions later for them. So, you know, Anne is in this extremely French household. She becomes completely enamored with it, complete Francophone. Um, She dresses all in French clothes. She becomes very, um, uh, I mean, unbelievably fluent in French. Like it's said that her 
her knowledge and um, grasp of the language was like second to none um, for someone who wasn't natively French. She danced mm-hmm. very French. She wore French hoods that becomes in fashion. It's a, it's a kind of um, headpiece um, in her very, one of her famous portraits. Um, she's wearing her French hood and um, hmm. literature and music and poetry and something that our favorite person ever, I'm going to go out on a limb and say our, even though I know it's mine, Eleanor of Aquitaine, um, the art of courtly love, courtoisie, like that was a huge thing for Anne. And so she ends up um, becoming an expert in the game of flirtation, which is part of court. It's it's part of how you interact. The chivalric code is, you know, on the basis that there's a woman that a, a high-ranking woman, she's held up on a pedestal, she's perfect, she's beautiful, and she's completely unattainable. And a knight, mm-hmm. ostensibly ranked lower than her, is in love with her, and he showers his devotion, and he can't have anyone but her, but they never consummate, and there's nothing any, you know, n- nothing untoward ever happens between them, but that's courtly love in its essence. So somehow pure, but very weird in its ties, and, um, you know, kind of relies upon people being completely unavailable um Mm -hmm. that's something that's still very much in vogue in france and so she becomes effectively uh, french and um so she ends up being sent back to england when mary goes back and then enters into that fabulously uh scandalous marriage and so anne is called back in 1521 so she's around 20 um and that's ripe marrying age so this is early modern era, the Tudors kind of, so 12 year olds aren't getting married as often. They'll get engaged, but they won't like get married. Um, so mm-hmm. 20 years old, that's pretty solid. That's like, okay, she's ready to get married. She could have been married at 16. That was probably mm-hmm. fairly, I, I'd say 16 to like 22 are probably average ages of marriage with a little bit later for wealthier women being more common. Um, right at least in this time period, most of the time wealthier women would get married early and they'd have a ton of children. Um, but right now it's a little different. So her being 20 was actually like, ah, perfect. And she's called back because her father and his cousin are quarreling over who should inherit this big plot of land, yada, yada, yada. And they go, you know what, instead of creating a civil war in Ireland again, let's just go ahead and marry our kids together. And, um, it was, it just took forever. I mean, they just like couldn't get their shit together. They were trying, like these two idiots, like just, ugh. so she's called back to get- marry her cousin. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. she rejoins the English court and she's this like fresh from France, you know, gorgeous woman. She's described, um, she's my height. She's five, three. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, so super short and she has this really dark, thick, hair dark dark brown eyes she has you know she said to have a slightly olive complexion which is quite exotic um at the time Mm -hmm. and um like i said she's completely trained in in effectively courtly flirting and Mm -hmm. so she's very witty she's very intelligent very religious as everyone was at the time but when she's in france she's exposed to a different form of Christianity uh, kind of promoted by Marguerite de Navarre, including like Christian mysticism. And so she's kind of being exposed to the beginnings of the reformation. And that, that will play a huge part in Anne's life. So when she's in France still, she's kind of getting exposed 
to elements of what strong Catholics would call heresy. And she would call like interest. Um, So Mm -hmm. she kind of becomes this, you know, I'm going to say cultural person. So she's back in England and she goes on this, she, she dances at this, like, I don't know, pageant. And um, she catches everyone's attention because she's hot and she's new and foreign. Mm -hmm. She's not foreign, but she seems foreign. And Catherine of Aragon takes her on as one of her maids. And from around 1522 to 1527, she's in Catherine of Aragon's like retinue. And then she kind of, she kind of gets involved with this man named Henry Percy, which if you're a Shakespeare fan, you'll recognize the name, um, but Mm -hmm. it's not the same Henry Percy, um, but it is an Earl of Northumberland. And he's the son of the Earl of Northumberland. And he's like obsessed with Anne and they fall deeply and madly in love. But of course, um, by the time they, they become secretly engaged and, um, (gasps) oh, I know secret, but by the time they want to make that secret engagement more official and marriage related, some guy named Henry VIII catches eye of her because he fucked her sister, got bored, and then saw her and had Cardinal Wolsey, his little lackey, break up this fake, you know, the secret betrothal and basically mm-hmm. ruin her marriage prospects. That's um, nice. Yeah. Do you know how he did it? Yeah, he literally told Cardinal Wolsey, like, he found out about the secret betrothal and told Wolsey to break it up. So he... No, no, no. I mean, do you know how Cardinal Wolsey broke it up? Yeah. So he... um, Henry Percy was supposed to be engaged to his cousin. I think her name was like Mary... Catherine Talbot or Mary Talbot. Again, another Catherine, Mm -hmm. another Mary. Her last name's Talbot. And she's his cousin. She's the Earl of Shrewsbury's um, daughter, I believe. And... um, they were supposed to get married, but like, just like Anne's father, like couldn't seal the deal. It was kind of happening the same way. They just like, wouldn't make the deal happen. And mm-hmm. um, basically Cardinal Wolsey intervened and said, nope, they're getting married and like kind of forced it. Um, so Henry Percy was married off to someone he didn't really love. He has a spoiler alert, Anne Boleyn dies and he ends up collapsing and basically dying afterwards. So it said that he still was in love with her. No. Um, yeah. Aww, and she with so him. Sad. Um, if only they were allowed to be happy. (sighs) That's sad. That feels like one of those stories where if someone was writing it, they wouldn't have ended it like that. (laughs) 100%. Anne's entire life is that. Because it's not, it's not satisfying enough. It's terrible. Also depressing. So Henry VIII is sleeping with Mary, who's Anne's, another Mary, Anne's sister, Mary Boleyn, who's married to a man whose last name is Carrie. So her name is Mary Carrie. Which is great. Yeah. yeah. And although Henry acknowledges the birth of one of his bastards, um, much to Catherine of Aragon's chagrin, he doesn't acknowledge any of Mary's children because she was married at the time. And so it's kind of tricky to see, but everyone kind of assumes that her two kids, Catherine and Henry, are both also, especially Henry, are Henry VIII's mm. kids. Um, and so... Henry VIII has lost interest in Catherine of Aragon, as we talked about. She's getting a little bit older. She's unable to have any more kids. She's increasingly religious. And he's like, I'm still young and hot, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. according to himself. And so, of course, Henry notices 
that his mistress's younger sister's really cute and um, mysterious and very intelligent and very fashionable. So he becomes enamored with her and then drives again, uses Cardinal Wolsey to drive away Henry Percy and another man named Thomas Wyatt, who was a poet who was like completely in love with her. And she was kind of like, ah, I like the attention, but I don't like you. But again, she's part of the art of courtly love. So she's like, I love when, you know, they're kind of telling me they love me. That's part of the cultural aspect um, that she was raised in. So totally. I don't think it was like scandalous or it was just like, yeah, this is normal because it was. Um, Mm -hmm. So Henry starts writing Anne these letters. And by the way, we have some of them and they are hilarious. And he's like, I'm in love with you. I need to be your only you know, you need to be my only mistress. I don't want to be with anyone else um, ever. You're so hot. I hate that possessive nonsense. It's it's immediate. He does it to everyone. Um, yeah, you can. T- I mean, when people are like that, it's a pattern. It's a complete pattern. It's so horrendous. Up. And she's kind wow. of. Wow. Yeah. Men don't change. Never. Never. Especially men in power. Yeah. Classic. That's how I feel about it. I can't. I have no words. It's just a, ugh, the sound. Yeah, just keep going. Okay. So Anne doesn't, Anne's like not into it at first. And I think the reason why is because she saw what happened to her sister. Um, the moment, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That so makes sense. The moment that a woman that Henry's with has a baby, he's like so done with her. <laughs> Interesting. Huh? Um, so Anne's like, I don't know. And then she kind of entertains it again. I think she's fairly, we would use the word flirtatious, but I think that's just kind of part of how she interacts with men in court. Because like I said, I will repeat it till I'm blue in the face. It's the court Mm. she was raised in. It was normal for her. People like are like, she's such a tease. I'm like, no, that's literally like how she was taught to interact with people at court. Mm -hmm. That's just, that was polite to her. Um, Also, dare I say, Sometimes intelligent women are seen as flirtatious, even when they're just being intelligent. Yes. Yes. It's a or, lot to say on that. As, as you and I have recently discussed over a text message, we're never allowed to do anything in peace. We're always seen to be like flirting or trying to, it's like, no, we're just always doing something wrong. We're always just trying to exist and people come in and ruin our days, men. Anyway. Okay. So Anne's like, I'm not into it. Henry's like, but I love you. And then she's like, uh, I don't want to sleep with you. And he's like, what? And she says, no. And of course, the power of no, like, drives him And crazy. now he wants her 10 times more. He wants yeah. her so badly. And she sees that. And I think I'm sure she felt very powerful because, you know, her marriage prospects were driven away. She doesn't really have an explanation for it. Um, mm-hmm. And... So she's kind of like, well, the king of England's super into me. And now he's saying, I don't love my wife. I want to marry you. We've all heard that. Mm -hmm. So, and, but he's the king of England. So he's like, no, I'm going to ask the Pope. Like, I want to get divorced and I want to marry you. I'm in love with you. And she's like, big deal. Okay. That's a big deal though. Deal. Huge. And so I think she becomes more and more engaged and, at this point, Henry VIII is still very much a Renaissance prince. He's an he's an athlete. He is a um, he's known for playing like tennis and jousting, and he wrote music. I mean, a ton of music. He was very musical and um, literary, and so you know he's writing her these letters, and they're just talking all about her. 
and and he's giving her gifts and he's truly trying to woo her. And I think he's also extremely, he is an extremely intelligent man and he's very powerful and she is an extremely intelligent woman. And, you know, later on people would love to impugn her and say, oh, she's ugly. They only liked her because she was witty. I think the thing that's amazing is that not only was she extremely witty and knew how to use that to her advantage, which is all a woman could at that time, you know, she was also Mm -hmm. actually very beautiful and she dressed in a way that was quite exotic for the English court, which had for 20 plus years been very Spanish influenced thanks to the queen. She comes in Mm -hmm. and it's very French and everyone's like, what? You know? So she she's this other and i think it's it's fascinating not just to henry but to other people and again anne comes back from her stay in france with a slightly different view of religion and this becomes extremely important so she reads a book called the obedience of the christian man and how christian rulers ought to govern and basically that book says that rulers should not be accountable to the Pope, but to God and God himself. And that is in direct conflict with the Catholic teachings at the time, which is that the Pope is God's representative on earth. And the rulers and Kings like Henry may be, you know, um, like most Christian rulers and, you know, his Catholic protectors and whatever, they have all these titles they give them. Um, It, they're still beholden to the Pope's word because he is God's mouthpiece. And this book is asserting, and a lot of people were starting to have issues. This is right after um, Luther. So the Reformation's kind of sweeping across Europe, especially in Germany, hasn't really reached England yet. And Anne kind of, and and she's credited, I think, rightfully so, for bringing that to Henry's attention. And Henry Mm -hmm. is a classic narcissist. And he's like, you know what? I should be in charge. You're right. And she's like, I know. So the Pope is saying, you can't get a divorce and we want to get married. And who's the Pope? Fuck this guy. And he's like, you're right, Anne, I'm God. And she's like, ah, and he's like, yes, I heard you correctly. So he takes it really far. Like little puppet strings. I mean, truly though. Um, But I don't think she meant to, I, I think people love to skew this as like she was being completely manipulative. I think something. No, no, I just meant like she has, like she has power in this moment. Absolutely. Not that Uh, she's doing it maliciously or completely like, you know, anything like that. She just, she knows what she wants and she's good at influencing people. Absolutely. And I think something that I can say for Anne is like Catherine of Aragon, her religious beliefs are genuinely held. I mean, she is a very religious person. It is something that's extremely important to her. But unlike Catherine of Aragon, she sees the abuses that the Catholic Church, you know, kind of the liberties that they take with things that they're not maybe the best examples of how to be good Christians in her view. Mm. And there are people coming out with, um, you know, new ideas about uh, a relationship that someone can have with God or that a country can have with God. And she sees that. And I think it's very inspiring to her. And she gives that information and, and that influence over to Henry, who takes it like 400 steps further. Um, <laughs> and so this is the time period. It's around 1528, 1530. And they've been trying to, he, Henry's been trying to get a divorce for about two to, well, since around 1526. So like two to four years. And it ain't working. Cardinal Wolsey's doing terribly. The matter becomes known as the King's Great Matter. We talked about this last time. 
And um, Catherine of Aragon refuses to not be queen. She said, God, you know, I was not called to be a nun. I was called to be the queen of England. Um, mm-hmm. I was virgin when I'm, when your brother died, we were married correctly in the eyes of God. It's not my fault. We didn't have a son. And he's like, no, God hates us. That's why we didn't have a son. I should marry this young hot girl. And she's like, no. And he says, yes. And that's kind of the great summary of the, the King's great matter. All of Europe is mm-hmm. a buzz because Catherine of Aragon, of course, is very Spanish and Anne Boleyn represents a very French faction. So there's actually a lot of political stuff happening at the same time. And then get, additionally, the religious stuff. So 1530, Cardinal Wolsey has failed to get a divorce for the king. And it's not good. Um, Henry is beyond upset. He's waited four years. He's pissed off. He hasn't slept with anyone. It's driving him nuts. And Anne's over here being like super hot and French effectively. So, you know, that's tricky. And um, so Wolsey gets arrested on weird charges and then actually ends up dying before he can be executed. But he probably would have been. Mm. And then a man named Thomas Cromwell comes into power. And Cromwell is a fascinating figure. If you've ever read or seen Wolf Hall, um, he's kind of the main focus of it. Um, so it, it. I have many thoughts on Thomas Cromwell, but he's he's an interesting fellow. And so he becomes in charge, and through him and Thomas Cramner's influence, in 1531, Henry passes the Act of Supremacy, which recognizes him as the sole protector and supreme head of the English church and clergy. So he breaks from Rome in his attempt to get a divorce. At this time, what he's saying to the Pope is like, you have failed to do my bidding. And the Pope's like, I don't, I'm not supposed to be doing your bidding. Um, You know, there's a lot of weird Mm -hmm. stuff going on. And he's like, yeah, but I want to marry this girl and you're not letting me. But as we discussed in our last episode with Catherine, if he admits that the only reason he wants to get a divorce is because he wants to marry Anne, like that's, that's, not grounds for a divorce. You know, he's saying it's because the marriage with Catherine isn't valid, not that he wants to marry Anne. So everyone knows, but it's very unspoken. Um, So 1532, Anne is given a new title. She's the Marquess of Pembroke in her own right. This is only the second time ever in English history that a woman is invested in her own right with lands. Um, Pretty darn cool. And very cool. 1532. In October, Anne and Henry go to the French court to meet Francis I. And at that time, about six years after they first met, it seems like the divorce is finally going to happen. Um, and so Anne gives in and they sleep together, most likely, around then. So in 1533 is kind of the year it all happens. So 1533, the divorce is pushed through, the annulment, excuse me, is pushed through Mm-hmm. Anne and Henry secretly get married before that because Anne believes she's pregnant and they cannot risk having an illegitimate child. Um, mm. So March, Thomas Cramner becomes the Archbishop of Canterbury, who is the second in charge in the new Church of England. And he grants Henry's annulment to Catherine of Aragon. Catherine of Aragon is downgraded to Princess Dowager of Wales and Princess Mary is now known as Lady Mary. On the 1st of June, Anne is crowned queen And then in September, Anne gives birth to not the long-awaited prince, but a little girl, Princess Elizabeth, who is named after Mm -hmm. her own mother and also Henry's mother. And everyone's really upset 
and Henry's kind of like, I did all of this for a girl. Are you kidding? Um, yeah. So uh, like I mentioned before, the moment a woman tends to have a baby with Henry, he's like, ah, I don't like you anymore. Um, no. Well, he sucks. That's all I yeah. got. He sucks. He just really sucks. Um, so, oh, excuse me. The acts of supremacy and the act of succession are passed in 1534. Um, so he, he starts talking about that in 1531, but officially it's passed into law in 1534, the next year and becomes pregnant again, but she miscarries. Um, Henry starts having a difficult time keeping it up and blames her because that makes sense. And then Anne gets pregnant again in October of 1535. She miscarries because Henry VIII falls off of a horse during a joust and it led to some severe uh, like behavioral kind of issues he ended up having. But anyway, five days after he had an accident, um, Anne miscarries again and it's a couple of days after Catherine of Aragon dies and a little mm-hmm. bit after J- Henry becomes really interested in this lady named Jane Seymour um mm-hmm. so Anne realizes things are slipping away from her um and she continues to try having children like we've said she's been miscarrying ready to pop the question The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, a lot of Catholic propaganda at this time, because it's pretty clear that England has chosen its own path and they're not Catholic anymore. Um, a lot of people like to say that Anne miscarried a boy. She wasn't pregnant that I don't think they could really tell, you know, the, the gender of this child, or if they did, it's not been confirmed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so people later say that the baby was a deformed monster. Sure. Um, that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, but that's after. So can we trust it? No. <laughs> um, and then in spring of 1536, Thomas Cromwell and Anne get into an argument. And this kind of is the beginning of the end for her. He starts to see that if he can get her out of power, they used to be allies. Remember, he got her exactly what she wanted, which is to become queen. Right, right, right. They start to have issues because he sees her as too much of an influence, even though, of course, by that point, a lot of her influence is actually gone. Um, mm. You know, so he sees her as a threat and starts to try and remove her from power. And we, there are many things that probably contributed to her decline. I would say, politically speaking, 
one of the main ones is, of course, her argument and eventual enmity with Thomas Cromwell, but not least of which was the fact that Henry feels he did a lot for her. He sacrificed a lot for her and it led nowhere. He only has another daughter. He didn't want one. And additionally, he doesn't want to sleep with her anymore. And she seems to not be able to stay pregnant, which apparently, again, is her problem. And also he can't get it up, which is also apparently her problem. Mm -hmm. So he, Henry is also like, but there's this new girl, Jane Seymour, and Catherine of Aragon is dead which means anytime I, the next person I marry, no one's going to be mad about it because my first wife is technically dead. So everyone in Europe called Anne the Great Usurper, like she wasn't a real queen, blah, blah, blah. Henry basically made laws happen to make her legitimate. So if he gets rid of this woman that's caused him a lot of problems, anything he has next is going to be completely legitimate in everyone's eyes because his first wife is dead. Hmm. So again, lots of reasons. Um, so on the 24th of April... Uh, with the king's approval, a commission was set up to investigate treason and other offenses committed by a group of people, including Anne, including her brother, George, including um, Sir Francis Weston, William Brereton, and Mark Smeaton. And on the 30th of April, Mark Smeaton is arrested for committing adultery with her. He confesses after 24 hours of interrogation. Read torture. Um, yeah. And... It's very sudden for Anne. Like all of a sudden she's just kind of out and um, they're all arrested. Mm. Henry becomes very involved with Jane Seymour around May 2nd. On the 12th of May, the men appear in court. They plead not guilty, but they're all found guilty and they're sentenced to be um, hung, drawn and quartered. Mm. On the 15th of May, Anne and her brother George are tried. They both plead not guilty but they're both found guilty and she's sentenced to death by beheading or burning. Um, right. So one of the main reasons that for the treason is at the time, if you slept with, if you were the queen and you got pregnant by someone else's kid, that's treason mm-hmm. because that's not a legitimate heir. So a woman's right. infidelity, of course, is so much worse and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So they're saying that she's, with all these men including her brother so they're charged with incest and all sorts of horrific things and they are sent to the tower um where just a couple of years three years before so it's 1536 and 1533 Anne's crowned queen and traditionally before you're crowned a king or queen of england they don't do this anymore obviously but they did you would spend a night in the tower of london which was a a palace it wasn't a prison it was a palace it's a palace Mm -hmm. um so you would spend the night there and um you would begin your progression to Westminster Abbey to be crowned. And that's exactly what happened. And then three years later, almost exactly, she's led through the prison, the traitor's gate and uh, to a prison. And so on the 15th of, or excuse me, the 17th of May, the three or four men who were accused of conspiracy and adultery and treason are all beheaded on Tower Hill. And um, they were given uh, the merciful changing from being hung, drawn, and quartered by King Henry. And Anne's brother is beheaded as well. So Anne can see all of this. Watch it from her room. And so she's due to be beheaded the next day, and she's told this. Hmm. But unfortunately... Oh, so 
King Henry's great mercy, he won't let some hack job chop her head up with a, an axe. He's called for a French executioner to come from Calais, which is in France. Mm. And he uses a sword instead, so it's going to be more painless. That's that's the great mercy he gives her. Mm-hmm. And um, so she's due to be, she's told that she's going to be executed um, for about two days. So she she's guilty on the 15th and pretty much every day since then is being told this is your last day on earth. And then that's not. So that's a lot of psychological torture. Absolutely. Um, 18th of May, uh, the guy from Calais is postponed, but Cromwell uh, announces that the marriage to Anne was null and void. Elizabeth is illegitimate and an ecclesiastical court gives Henry a dispensation to marry Jane Seymour. And the next day, um, Anne Boleyn is beheaded on the tower green by a French swordsman. And apparently he might have been sent for before Anne was even found guilty. So yeah, it was, it was a foregone conclusion. So very famous. I have two questions. Yes. Yes. I'm here. Mm -hmm. One. Yes. Do you think that a sword actually was less painful? I have a, I will say yes. And here is why. Mm. Very famously, there was a woman named the Countess of Salisbury who was executed. Um, She was one of the oldest people to ever be executed. I believe she was 72. Mm. And um, just because she was a Plantagenet and they were like, you're not loyal to the Tudors. And she's like, I mean, I am a Tudor. I'm also a Plantagenet, much like the Tudors. Sorry if I still have a thing that has their crest on it in a chest in my attic. And they're like, you will die. And they um, uh, miss about 14 times. It's pretty horrific. So I I, I don't even, oh. Yeah. So a French sword's been coming through. So when you were executed, I'm getting into it. When you were executed in the English way, you were, (laughs) you had your head on a block and they got a big ax and they swung it down and hopefully didn't miss. The French way is you're kneeling upright and the swordsman basically just cleanly chops your head off with a very sharp sword. So it's said to be. I will say though, there's probably a margin of error there as well though. Completely. still aiming. But he's French. So is he going to be wrong? Chloe. Yes, French people okay. are all sorts of wrong. I'm kidding. I know. I, I, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I think it's, it, it's very interesting because obviously we can't talk to people who've been beheaded. Sure. Yeah. We can no. officially know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just had to say it. Um. Yeah, there were witnesses, though. There were witnesses. Um, some people who hated her said that she showed that she was very happy that she was going to go die. That's not true. Um, mm. Very famous. I, I do want to read to you. Um, Anne gave a short speech before. And this is something that we have recorded. Um, we know this is what she said. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I think is extraordinarily powerful. Um, She was in her last days, although she thought, you know, there would be fewer. um, She is, you know, this man who's the constable of the tower. He he kept a diary of when, of his life. And also Anne was there. And um, so William Kingston says to her, you know, he says, I'm sorry, you're going to die. And she responds saying, Mr. Kingston, 
I hear I shall not die afore noon, and I'm very sorry, therefore, for I thought to be dead by this time and past my pain. And this is Mr. Kingston. He says, I told her it would be no pain. It was so little. And she said, I heard say the executioner was very good, and I have a little neck. Um, and then puts her hands around her neck and starts laughing, I think because she was told she was going to die for like four days in a row and then wasn't executed while watching her brother and friends of hers die pretty brutally. Yeah, it doesn't sound like pure joy. It sounds like someone at the end of their rope. <laughs> Completely at the end of their rope. She hasn't been able to see Elizabeth. She's been separated from her three-year-old daughter, which is something that's mm -hmm. been, you know, really trying for her. Um, additionally, Anne was said to write a really extraordinary poem called Oh Death, Rock Me to Sleep. Mm. Um, and effectively, the idea is um, death will end my pain. And it's something I think we should post. There are some... Um, it's, I believe it has been set to music as well. So we might be able to post that. I will try and find it, but it's a poem that's said to either be composed by her or her brother, but most mm -hmm. people include it's actually Anne. Um, so it's just, you know, really horrific. She writes very famously a letter to Henry that begins with, sir, your grace's displeasure and my imprisonment are things so strange unto me as what to write or what to excuse. I am altogether ignorant. You know, she's like, I just don't understand. I'm, this happened very suddenly. Um, and as she is um, walked up to the scaffold, she's wearing a red petticoat, um, very famously, which is the color of martyrdom. She mm -hmm. is wearing um, fur and ermine or, and, you know, she's wearing jewels. She takes them off and um, gives this speech. She says, Good Christian people, I am come hither to die, for according to the law and by the law I am judged to die, and therefore I will speak nothing against it. I am come hither to accuse no man, nor to speak anything of that, whereof I am accused and condemned to die, but I pray God save the king and send him long to reign over you, for a gentler nor a more merciful prince was there never. And to me he was ever a good, a gentle, and sovereign lord. And if any person will meddle of my cause, I require them to judge the best. And thus I take my leave of the world and of you all. And I heartily desire you all to pray for me. O oh Lord, have mercy on me. To God, I commend my soul. Okay, well, that leads me to my second question. Mm -hmm. But it also brought up a third question. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go in order. The second one was, public opinion of her public opinion of the king because it seems somewhat transparent that he's marrying these women directly after killing them or divorcing them public opinion swayed at all unfortunately or they're no. like yeah the king's right Anne was extremely unpopular um people really loved queen catherine and they did not love anne and anne didn't deliver with the son okay also, That's there was a lot of, again, this is at the time where she's seen as a main instigator, which she kind of was for the Reformation. So there's a lot of religious right. upheaval happening. And the Catholics love some propaganda. So they're sending all sorts of things about how, you know, she's a witch. And Henry even wakes up and one morning and says, I think I was bewitched by her. And they're like, you're right, you were. And then that's like how he kind of gets a divorce as well. So mm. she... Many interpretations of this speech, 
um, are that she does not want to criticize the king because she doesn't want her family to suffer more, nor does she want Elizabeth to suffer. But I think most tellingly, she says, and this is the line that always kind of made me cry a little bit. And if any person will meddle of my cause, I require them to judge the best. And that's something I think has always stuck with me. She just, you know, I think she was, she knew that there was no kind of point. I think she knew that there was no way to save her own life. But in her last acts, she could do what she can to save her family and her daughter. And she ends up, yeah. So public opinion was tricky. Public opinion was not positive toward her. There's a lot of, mm. you know, very soon after she died, a couple of years after she dies, this Catholic dude is like, Anne had six fingers and a goiter. So she's a witch. And, um, What's Everyone's, the point of saying that after she died? Because they still want to impugn her. And again, her daughter becomes a very powerful queen. Mm-hmm. So God forbid your mother's a witch. Um, right. And was and you're the illegitimate bastard. People called Queen Elizabeth that for the entirety of her life and reign. Because her mother and father were never married under the eyes of God, according to a lot of people. Okay. So it's a tricky thing. So she was fascinatingly, what's fascinating to me is mm-hmm. that um, one of the things is said that the the executioner distracts her. So he, on one side of the scaffold, like knocks some straw around. And then um, when she looks the other direction, he goes the other way and executes her. So hmm. as far Slightly as that merciful. could go, I was going to say, as far as that could go, it seems fairly merciful. Yeah. Um. And like I had mentioned, when Henry Percy found out, he like wept and was taken away and died not too long before. She was buried in an unmarked grave. So, you know, but um, they dug up her skeleton in 1876, Queen Victoria's reign. And um, she is now, uh, she now has a little grave marker that I have seen, actually. It's very powerful. What was your second question, though? Sorry. Uh. Third question was going to be, did she mean that speech? But you, you answered it. Yeah, I think she did. And I, I, what's your interpretation? I'm curious because, and I, I'm happy to send it to you. I realize I just read it out loud to you. So that's helpful. <laughs> um, I can't imagine it, but mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine meaning it. I, mm-hmm. I just can't, but times were different i didn't live the life that she lived i don't know what the day-to-day life of living with the king was like but to me he sounds horrendous and that's quite an outside perspective i mean maybe he was intelligent and charming and maybe they did get along to a certain extent and maybe she liked her life but i i can't imagine knowing that someone makes the decisions that he does knowing that he kicked her out for someone else that he you know was lost interest in her after she didn't have a boy there are so many things that i think would make me hate him yeah and i can't imagine saying something like he never did anything wrong he's been nothing but kind that just doesn't seem true i and i i agree with you i think she is extremely political and I think 
Yeah. She's very, I think, again, that one line, if any person will meddle with my cause, I require them to judge the best. That's the one moment, I think, where she says, I'm saying everything I know I'm supposed to say. I want to save my family. I'm, you know, want to do everything I can. The king has ruled and there is nothing I can do. But if you feel the need to look a little bit further, I, I would like you to make your own opinions known. And, you know, women had a very tricky, as we discussed, women had a really tricky go of it. It's not like she could just kind of do whatever she wanted. She didn't have really any power. Mm-hmm. She had more power before she was married to him than she ever did when, you know, once they were married. We forget they were together from 1526. They were together for over, excuse me, just over 10 years. They were only married for three of them. Right. So, you know, and what's interesting is, so Anne is known for having this like kind of hot and cold temperament. She throws little temper tantrums. And as a mistress, that was like, ooh, exciting. But Henry was raised that a queen should be pious and quiet and a non-entity in the background who's just constantly pregnant with boys. And he believed that. Mm. Mm. And Anne never adapted to that as a queen. So I think that didn't help the situation for her. But again, I don't blame her. Obviously, I can't. Um, because she was just being a human. <laughs> but yeah. I think, you know, and of course, she's she's not raised to be a queen. She wasn't raised to be a queen. She was raised to be a human. And she was raised in a court that lauded people who were loud and exciting and emotional and um, so she continued to live that way and it just never rubbed well with, with her very boring husband, um, yeah. once they were married, but they weren't married for that long. And, yeah. you know, so interestingly, there's a great collection. Um, I think it was put together, oh gosh, in like the 19th century, the Victorians loved anything early modern and medieval. So they have a beautiful rendition of the letters, uh, from Henry VIII to Anne or from Anne to him. And the one letter is the letter she wrote to him on the 8th of May, about 10, 11 days before she's executed. And it's, it's an extraordinary letter. Um, and very tellingly, this uh, edition of this book has a letter from King Henry to Jane Seymour, like that is almost identical to what he used to write to Anne. Um, basically while Anne is writing this letter to him, begging for her life. Um, mm. And King Henry's like, I love you. You're hot. Let's do it. You know? So. It's so infuriating. It's so infuriating. So 19th of May, Anna's beheaded. The day after, Henry VIII becomes betrothed to Jane Seymour. And on the 30th of May, they get married. Yeah, like, even that didn't sway public opinion. Like, there, I, I wonder if there were, like, a couple people who were quietly, like, that seemed fast. <laughs> I think so. I just, you know, unfortunately, history is funny in that way. We can't know perfectly what every lay person was thinking because they didn't leave many records. But yeah. we do know that Anne was not a very popular queen. Um, and after, you know, basically it was seen as this like, usurper and of course because queen catherine died while they were married uh but while anne and henry were married any person henry would marry after anne would be completely legitimate in any 
religion or court. So I think everyone just wanted a return to that. I think it right. there was a general sense that Anne, with some truth behind it, led to a lot of upheaval in the kingdom. Um, but I also don't think we can, obviously, I think it's entirely unfair to attribute that solely to her. Um, but she definitely was opinionated. And I think she mm -hmm. was a strong personality. And women were not supposed to be that, let alone queens. They were not supposed to be that. Right. So I wish we knew more about public opinion. I wonder. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure you also wouldn't write down an opinion like that. <laughs> like, God, the king's stupid. Some people right. did. Some people did. Um, John Fox wrote uh, in this very famous book called Acts and Monuments. Monuments is also mm. known as Fox's Book of Martyrs, is a work of um, Protestant history and martyrology by John Fox. He's so annoying. Um, but he's obsessed with her. He's obsessed with Anne. And he basically tries to... Um, make the reformation legitimate it's written right when queen elizabeth becomes queen and so of course he's like i need to get on your good side by the way your mother was a saint you know um <laughs> so it's very interesting and he but he's context is always telling isn't it though truly mm. um it's only a couple of years after queen mary the first dies so you know she had returned the realm to catholicism and mm -hmm. um there was some very minor compared to other people um, kind of seeking out and destroying of Protestant ideology. And so when Elizabeth I becomes queen five years later, everyone's like, oh, thank God she's Protestant. And John Fox is like, I'm going to write a book about it. And that's what he does. Well, also the king was dead at that point. Very dead. And his little so baby that, son. That's, that's more so what I mean. Like, oh, I don't yeah. think during his reign, anybody would willingly <laughs> no. make evidence of their disapproval of him, is what I meant. <laughs> no, they did, but they weren't English and they did not live in England. <laughs> it was everyone well, else. That's so what was, I'm, I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> English no, I know, people, I'm just obviously. saying. There's one very famous guy um, who was uh, Chapuy. Uh, he was the Spanish ambassador. He's hilarious. Um, you can read some of his work. He's very dry and very opinionated about everyone. But he was he was in England, of course, but he doesn't reflect English. He's Spanish, so he can't. Right, so he's not a traitor. No, no, no. But they didn't, you know, some people didn't love him. I digress. Sure. This is about sure. Anne. Yes. It's just interesting. I think a lot of people who used her and the political kind of upheaval that she helped to bring about for their own advantage, and then the moment she wasn't useful to them, they tossed her aside. That's exactly what happened. Thomas Cromwell made her an enemy. Thomas Cramner um, literally did nothing, um, even though he was like, I don't think the queen should be going to jail for this. I don't think she did anything. And mm -hmm. um, Henry's like, but I want it to be that way. And so he had no choice really for his own preservation, except to say that, you know, um, their marriage was null and void, but apparently by some, he heard her last um, confession. And um, he said, when he heard that she had died, um, he said, apparently she who has been the queen of England on earth will today become a queen in heaven. So he did nothing mm -hmm. to actually help her, but at least he thought he could. <laughs> I don't know. The thought that counts, I Is guess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Anne Boleyn, baby. 
Anne Boleyn. So we circle back. What are your opinions? Love or hate? Mm. I, <laughs> Let's take into account Catherine of Aragon. Let's not forget. Um, I I don't want to contradict the sentence you either love her or hate her. <laughs> but I still don't either love her or hate her. Oh. Is that allowed? It is because I feel the same way. Then, <laughs> because this is the thing, people. It's. I just it's, feel like there's a lot going on. There is a lot. Go- you're. <laughs> yes, that's a great summary. <laughs> there's so much happening. There's so right. much that's going on, and it's like when people tell you to choose vanilla or chocolate. Why can't I have both? Um. Why okay. do I have to hate Catherine of Aragon to love Anne Boleyn or vice versa? I find them both very interesting. Well, I didn't know this was an either or between the it two was? of them. I oh, thought. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, no, I mean, in our conversation, I thought this was more of just a Anne Boleyn on her own, love or hate. I mean, it's a bit of both. She's very fraught. Everything. I, about do you know her. what I think it is? I, th- mm-hmm. I think what it is, is that I like a lot of qualities about her. Mm-hmm. As as a modern woman, I I also like wit and, you know... Mm-hmm. All, all these things that she was known for, I yeah. I like in her, and I feel like I can understand her motivations. I can understand how she wasn't really doing anything that I'm particularly against, though it must have been very difficult for Catherine of Aragon to like watch yeah. the game <laughs> with someone else for seven years. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like I don't feel any like really. St- I wouldn't like die for her like i like i i'm not like You're in not love with her or uh, like you know You're not join the um literal cult of Anne Boleyn that people are like there there's a whole society of people trying to rehabilitate her image um no very- i'm okay I, I i'm not against her though i love that you know i do i wonder if i if i saw the musical i wonder which one would stand out to me? Like, I, I wonder if there's a certain opinion there. What's hilarious is like, so in the musical, the queens are based on various pop queens, as is right. only right. And so Catherine of Aragon's like Beyonce, and Anne Boleyn is Avril Lavigne. And how can you choose? That's interesting. How can you choose? I'm sure there are many people who could choose. I know, but They're I love, again, I love them both. Why do I have to right. choose? Right, right, right. Pie. I want both. That's so interesting. And do you know if I would assume that it's kind of pro all six? It is. That's the best part. It's women power. Yeah, that's they what I was gonna say. Yeah. Well, because the, the whole concept of the musical is like the women are competing to see who suffered the most as Henry's wife. Right. Right. Which is amazing. And it kind of comes to the conclusion that he's been at the center of their story for too long. Which I love. I do love that. Mm-hmm. We love our he queen. Is the, he is the tie between them, to be fair. Unfortunately, but, yes. But also, like, <laughs> but, besides yeah. that, let's talk about that. Sure, 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 yeah. sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're right. He is the common thread. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> the tie. That was the exact phrase that I was looking for. Thank Old you so much. Show. You're welcome. That was honestly bothering me. <laughs> I was trying to brave through it, but it, you did well. it was really on my mind. <laughs> I guess okay. the common thread the common thread yes 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 I love it so it's Anne Boleyn but, guys yeah wow 
Okay, cool. I mean, you know, the way, there's the common pop knowledge like of 35. The fact that she was beheaded. Like that, I yeah. was very aware of. Yeah. But she was 35. She was so young. That is very young. So sad. But I, I don't think that anyone in his orbit lived very long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to, no spoilers, but. <laughs> No spoilers, but it's 500 I love years how later. I'm trying to, like, keep the story quiet of something that's incredibly famous. Like, Do you know what, though? It's... It happened so long ago. You could look it up if you're curious. That's true. <laughs> you're right, though. I think Catherine of Aragon technically lived the longest, and that's only because he set her aside. And she died of cancer. And she was only 50. So. Right. It's not like it's, like, she lived that a long and happy life. Well, Anne of Cleves, we'll talk about her. She's a bat. That's what I'm saying. No spoilers. No spoilers. Look it up, guy. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No spoilers. It's only 500 years old. I quit the podcast. It's only 500 years old. If we can't do this in a respectful manner, I'm out. Oh, I'm sorry. We suddenly (laughs) are suddenly doing it in a respectful manner. (laughs) I didn't know that. We're changing it. What episode is this? 93? Yeah. Something like that. Two, two, three years later almost. Yeah. Oops. Two, three years later. We're finally Ooh. figuring out, guys. 27, oh. by the way. Is it really? This is episode 27. <gasps> what? If you've stuck with us through 27 plus hours of historical information, thank you. Also, well done, guys. You did a great well job. Well done. I Go hope team. that this information is being spread into the world. <laughs> we just need to know more historically badass broads. That's all. We really do. I'm learning. You know, I think about them all the time now. They they keep coming up in relation to different things. <gasps> I forgot to tell you. I saw, oh my gosh. <laughs> and my mom was watching on something on like PBS or something. And they had, I think it was a 10, 15 minute segment on Gladys Bentley. <gasps> no. It was so cool. That's and I was like, oh, I was her? able to contextualize it of the information that they included and the information they didn't include and how they framed it. I was aware of how, you know, it it was just fascinating because that article in which, I mean, if you haven't heard our Gladys Bentley episode, this is a clear plug to go listen to it. (laughs) But um, they, they talked about that article and they weren't really clear on just how wild it was for her to renounce everything about her identity in that article. And they didn't talk about how she was, suddenly like a happy housekeeper for her husband or anything like that and i was like that's important information slightly i i would i would go out on the limb and say that might be important right for people to contextualize yep (laughs) but it was very exciting to have learned about her and then to be able to do that type of critical thinking on my own i was like look at this i'm so happy for you i love that we're learning we are learning that's the goal educated women we're going to take over the world. Yes. And then we're going to see each other in a month for another lady. I love it. Thanks for I listening, love it too. guys. Thank you so much. And we'll see you on Instagram in the meantime. Farewell. Are we in the right key? We'll find out. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.